five points. Yeah. Sit hang out. Hard work, steely resolve, and sure grittiness. It starts with an attitude. We need swagger, okay? Regardless of what happens out there, doesn't matter. Keep your swagger. Welcome to the Five Hole Fantasy Hockey Podcast. We're your hosts today, TJ and Raj. Hey there. So today we got Tuesday trends, unsustainability, and you know, performing too well and performing not well enough is amplified because of the small sample size that we're still in. So take with it a grain of salt. So we're going to be talking about some players that we think are overperforming, underperforming, what to do. We're going to get into some buy low, sell high, just get a taste for what Tuesday trends is going to be this year. Starting off with news and notes, injuries. Carter Hutton left the game tonight, did not return. So Carl Velmelka is your starting goalie de facto in... Who? Yep, in Arizona. Who the... F- <laughs> I don't know what to do there. Ellie Tolvanen, day-to-day with an upper body injury. Sam Girard is day-to-day. Matt Murray on IR with a head injury. Craig Smith is day-to-day undisclosed. Patrick Kane... COVID protocol, same for Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley. Uh, Ryan Ellis is a game-time decision. Chris Letang is a positive COVID test, confirmed positive. So John Marino takes power play one there for as long as it takes for for Letang to uh, get over the COVID. And Mackenzie Blackwood is in the process of being vaccinated. He is not fully vaccinated yet, but he's getting there. I think he got his first dose, still got to get his second dose. So, you know. The only person left unvaccinated is Tyler Bertuzzi at this rate. So, Mackenzie Blackwood, back in the game. The uh, rest seems to be paying off for Bertuzzi. Yeah, lots of goals. Storylines. Marc-Andre Fleury and the Blackhawks, they're bad. I think they have five even strength goals for, and they've had 22 scored on them. It's kind of what we thought about the Blackhawks. It's kind of how we thought they would be, but I thought I'd... I thought we'd get more scoring. I thought there would be, you know, six to five games, not six to one games. What are you doing with your with your Chicago Blackhawks, specifically Alex DeBrinkat, you know, Jonathan Taze, two of the guys who have been a bit lackluster, and expectations were high coming into the year. I mean, Patrick Kane, still doing Patrick Kane things, still got high hopes for the guy, but he's not going to be able to do it by himself. Even Seth Jones, I think he's been on the ice for damn near every goal against. And, you know, there's been plenty of talk about his analytics. He's not that good defensively, but we don't give a shit. We were here for the offense. He's the top power play quarterback. That's what we wanted. So, Debrinkat, Taze, Jones, what are you doing here? Thankful I didn't get most of those guys. Debrinkat had a good night the other night. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm happy I didn't get those guys at this point. I mean, it's hard to believe Patrick Kane and any any line that he's on is not going to get points eventually but as a team they stink man I don't know I guess if you have any of those guys you might as well hold because the market's probably about as low as can be yeah looking for buy low people because I just I don't see Seth Jones sucking for the whole year and just starting historically bad I know Montreal has had their worst start in actual all of their 120 year history and Chicago's getting close to theirs now. So, what are you doing with uh, with Flurry? 
how bad they're doing is is coming down the hardest on Flurry. And we kind of expected a 75-25 split, but right now Flurry's played four games, Lankinen's played three. That's getting close to 50-50. Because that's that's what we were kind of hoping for is that Flurry's going to be a volume goalie. He's going to see a ton of shots against. It's just not happened that way. So far, seven games into Chicago's season, you know, I, I kind of expected six to two or something like that, but uh, neither goalie's playing well, so you can't really ride the hot hand here. But are you worried that Lankin is going to start to creep in and take some of those starts? I'm not worried. I think it's the team as a whole just doesn't have it figured out right now. I don't think anyone's blaming Flurry for for the losses. I'd still see it be 60-40 or 65-35 split by the end of the year. But, I mean, there's no reason to work Flurry to death right now. He, he's not going to save the team at, at this point. It just, just seems like a, a bunch of new players, you know, a lot of changes, big, huge changes, actually, which are going to pay off. I still believe they're going to pay off. It's just taken a little while to, to get the wheels greased up again and get everybody working together. I've, I was kind of low on Chicago. Like, I wasn't buying the hype, but I didn't think it would be anything like this. I think definitely some, some positive regression to come, as they say. Try to sell Flurry right now. What are you going to get for him? Oh, Jesus! Like close to nothing. It's nobody even wants him at this point. I think there's been some players in the in the Discord who are talking about dropping him, which is a little little a little crazy. What I, what I think about it is like you know, take any of these four game stretch for Mark Andre Flurry and just plant it in the middle of a season. Are you worried about a four game stretch where he's sub nine hundred? No, it's just so much more pronounced. And the same thing can be said for any of these guys that we're talking about on cold streaks going forward. You plant a four or five or six game pointless stretch in the middle of the season and you're not freaking out as much. Like Tyson Berry goes six, seven games in the middle of the season with what, two, three points that he's got now. And you're not too worried. But because you're on frozen tools or you're doing the math yourself and you see, oh my God, he's got a 22 point pace. Like, I don't want that. I drafted a 70 point pace player. So I do think there's a lot of panic at the beginning of the season and and we see it every year. And I I feel like, you know, a lot of the times we need to talk people down off the ledge, especially with these high, high pedigree kind of draft picks, draft capital players, you know, Seth Jones, he's still got four points in six games. That's a 55 point pace. Even if we're doing the math right now. Yeah. He's a minus nine through six games, but that's what you get for playing in a plus minus league. That's what you get. Exactly. Right? I, I don't know. Uh, you know, three hits, nine blocks. The periphery is is almost exactly where we thought it would be. Five minutes of power play time on ice for Seth Jones. A game. 84%. This is the best power play time he's seen in his career. And he's already got three power play points. Three out of his four points are power play points. So I see Seth Jones, like, in points leagues and in categories leagues without plus minus. I still think he's going to be one of the best fantasy defenseman to have out there it just you know everybody's making fun of him Dmitry Filipovich is is putting tweets out that are like oh yeah Seth Jones is as bad as we thought he was he's good for us in fantasy I'll tell you that right now like I'm I'm happy I have Seth Jones on my teams we don't play plus minus so it's not affecting me that much but you know you have to think that a lot of these Chicago Blackhawks get going and maybe it's around the same time like Taze needs to get going Debrinkat will get going I don't know knock on doors because I think I think there's buy low opportunities all over the place in Chicago maybe not with flurry you know the the Fords I'm there for uh, Lucas Raymond we were talking about him um, as a possible streamer 
this upcoming week had what a four point night. Sure did. Sure did. Sure did. Three goals on four shots. So seventy five percent shooting might be a little unsustainable, but that's he's looking he's looking good. It's not his only points of the year either. He's he's shooting, he's scoring. Over a point per game, six games in. The nice thing about Detroit being shitty is guys like that get minutes. Like he's playing on the top line. Uh, a bunch with Larkin and Bertuzzi. Decent power play time, too. What more can you ask for? Yeah, he was playing the point on the power play a bunch. You know, he's had a few games where he's only played 13 minutes uh, in that range, and then he's had other games where he's played up to almost 17 minutes, so so they're giving him the, the rope, and, you know, they bumped his playing time up and put him on the top line, and he responded with four points, including a power play point. So he's, yeah, like, he's doing, he's doing what Mr. Iserman thought he would do. So that's right. So is Mo Sider. Yeah. Uh, Philip Ronick was was scratched. So there's going to be opportunity to be had. Uh, Mo Sider with 55% of the power play share. I don't think he's top power play just yet, but he is getting good power play time. Five points in six games. Three of them are power play points. Doesn't have a goal yet, but he, you know, the shots, only 1.2 shots a game. So if you're in a points only league, I think he, he starts to look a little bit better, but he's got five hits. He's got seven blocks. He's doing a little bit of everything, and scoring is kind of at the forefront right now. So Mo Sider, watch out for him. And again, kind of tying into what you said, a good thing about these Detroit Red Wings and, and players off teams that aren't so hot is they're available. Mm. And you like I, I streamed Sider in. I got one of those assists, and I dropped him. And I'm not worried about somebody picking him up and, and keeping him. Yeah, maybe they'll have a turn on the stream, but uh, I think I'll get him back at some point. Uh, the Habs finally hit the score sheet. They destroyed Detroit Red Wings. But not that it matters because Matthew Perot had most of the goals and yeah. Nick Suzuki is still not doing what we drafted him to do. Jeff Petrie still remains pointless with terrible shot volume. And like you were saying with Jones, I'm happy I don't have a ton of Jeff Petrie right now because you sniped him for me in, in more than one league. Um, yeah. What are you personally doing with Jeff Petrie? Are you listening to offers? Um, I know we're, you know, you don't really sell the dip. You buy the dip. Are you worried about Montreal as a whole, Jeff Petrie by himself? How are you taking it? I have received zero buy low offers, so I've had not, I haven't had to, to turn anything down yet. I really don't know. I'm very sad. I The whole team is just so cold. I'm looking right now. I pulled up numbers for Suzuki and Caulfield and you know as some negative streaks to wonder about today and I mean they have one assist each mm. Suzuki has one power play assist and that's it even with the 6-1 win Caulfield has one assist uh, man like Suzuki's shooting under a shot a game so I'm I'm more worried about Caulfield, I think, but to me it's more like I expected less. I didn't buy the the humongous playoff hype, the undeserved playoff hype too. As we pointed out before, he didn't even have great numbers in a couple super flashy goals at at good times. You know, fifty five point pace, something around there. Yeah, and it's that's fine. But like right now, I, I was expecting more of you know more of like a as I expected from Lafreniere before. Like it's like. He's an exciting rookie for the team, but for fantasy, like you can almost guarantee a lot of those types of players, their first half, till they get settled in the league, sucks. And how, how's Caulfield supposed to settle into his scoring ways when, you know, the team is 
scoring about a goal a game. It, it's t- it's tough, man. I'm really, I'm really worried about Montreal. Uh, I was higher on Suzuki going into the year, but he is not providing that uh, that Pete Jensen level hype that was advertised <laughs> over the summer when he was in the top seventy five. I wonder uh, if they're going to talk about that. I haven't heard anything. Yeah, I, I, it's the whole team. The whole team is is down right now. I think they're figuring shit out. You know, on the Thirty Two Thoughts podcast, I, I heard Jeff and and Elliot talking about. You know, they're trying to find a new identity because there was so much turnover, and you know, Price is on the shelf, Weber's on the shelf. They, you know, Phil Deneau is gone. There's a lot of new faces and there's a lot of missing faces too. So this is not a Montreal team that recognizes itself and they're trying to figure things out. And yeah, maybe the tinfoil hats there that I think they want a better draft pick for the the draft that they're hosting in Montreal. Sure. Maybe that's a thing, but I don't know. They were also a team that made it to the Stanley cup final last year, whether it was sheer dumb luck, they still beat really good teams to get there. And when tying it back to Jeff Petrie, I have him in my unsustainably cold section right here. Like, he's too cold. What gives me pause is there's no shots to kind of fall back on. 1.3 shots per game at this point. He's getting terrific minutes, terrific power play time on ice, the best of his career in both categories. And And you would expect a lot more, especially in the points department. Like, almost four minutes power play time on ice almost 24 minutes a night i guess the answer to it all is that montreal's just not scoring so how is he supposed to get on in on goals that don't exist and he's not shooting i think suzuki has like he has under two shots a game too like the the big boys aren't doing anything so you're looking at a bunch of canadians who are being buoyed by jonathan druin and matthew perot that's not the way this team is supposed to look right now Toffoli's supposed to be shooting lights out I don't know. This this is this is a team that's very much in flux, needs to figure out their shit. And I think once they do, we're going to see a bounce back from a lot of these guys. So what do you think? Is is Jeff Petrie a buy low or is this kind of like a cautionary tale with defensemen just being so crazy variant? Do we blame last year for being too pronounced, too amplified? Uh, and, and Jeff Petrie, number one, coming back down to earth and two, falling past the earth's crust and going into the core like what what is what is really happening here did he pass the regression mean and go go so far into unsustainably oh this is super unsustainably low last year was you know probably a better definitely the first half was was awesome for him but every time other than this time every time weber's gone out he's always done great so he's been kind of like the Crosby Malkin thing. When one of them goes, the other one picks up the slack even more. Petrie's always done that. I didn't think last year was as shocking. Uh, his production was as shocking as a lot of people did, but this is this is definitely shocking. If I didn't already have him, uh, I would be trying to get him right about now because I absolutely think it's going to turn around. Petrie had twenty five points in the first twenty seven games last year. So you're not wrong. Like his first half was insane. And then he had 17 points in the last 28 games. So it's, I mean, he was even pretty good down the stretch, Mm -hmm. but especially good right out of the gate. Um, And out of the gate this year is just flatline 
absolute flatline. So I don't know. The guys chugging power play time on ice, they beat up on Detroit, but it was it was none of the big boys. So I just I don't know what to expect. I need to see these shots come back before there is even close to a sign of hope. Maybe I would buy low if if you're in a deep roster and you can get them for somebody, you know, like swing a Shattenkirk. I, I, it's probably not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But if you can genuinely buy low on Jeff Petrie, I would go for mm-hmm. it. Um, he's a guy that that bangs. So traditionally, I mean, if you look at Montreal's lineup right now, it, they're just it, it's confused. <laughs> like it's the the looking at daily faceoff right now for example they got Suzuki Gallagher and Hoffman on the top line um, that is not a, at all what they wanted they're throwing darts yeah it's not what they wanted their top line to be I mean right now they've got their third line is Toffoli Perot and Caulfield and of that Perot is the only one doing anything it's it's just it's a shit storm I think by the end of the season they will be much better than they are now. But they won't be in the playoffs. Definitely not in the playoffs. They're definitely a lottery team. I forget which Adam Sandler movie it was because all Adam Sandler movies are the same to me. But I think it was like uh, Billy Madison where they throw pickles at the window and then they're racing to see which one <laughs> wins. Uh, that's that's what Montreal's doing. That's what Dominic Ducharme is, is doing right now. He's throwing pickles at the window and he wants to see which set of line combinations actually sticks. And I, I think there's going to be a lot of movement here. I don't know. I, I think Jeff Petrie will be fine. I don't think he'll come close to. And this is like this is no surprise. This is stuff we've said in the off season here. Looking at his last five years, uh, going five years back or four years back because it was 29 point pace the other year. He's been really good for four years. 42 point pace, 46, 46, 63. So like. 63 really stands out. He's a 40 to 45 point guy with upside for 50, I think, because he is going to see a lot of this power play time. It's just shit needs to change. They need to they need to get going. Um, speaking of changes that have worked, uh, Austin Matthews scored his first goal off a Michael Bunting dish, and that has Michael Bunting on the top line. Nick Ritchie bumped down to the fourth line. Austin Matthews scores a goal. Michael Bunting's on the top line. This looks like something that they're going to chase. It worked. They got one point out of Matthews here. Still nothing for Marner. But, uh, yeah, I think I think Michael Bunting is solidified for at least a short time uh, into that top-line spot. How do you feel about Michael Bunting right now? I know that in uh, a league where he was available, I grabbed him for tonight. So I know that, I know that much. I, I know Toronto is another team that's just kind of floundering right now. The... They hang their hat on Matthews and Marner, you know, $20, $23 million a year worth, and, and you're getting better production out of Jason Spezza right now. So another team, I mean, yes, yes, they got a point from Matthews, but it was the only goal of the game again tonight. The big difference, I guess, with Toronto is they don't have, like, it's not like Montreal or, like, another team, Winnipeg, I want to talk about in a bit where there's lots of players to move around. Like Toronto has a top line and it sucks right now, but uh, you cannot, you know, no one's going to sell low on Marner or Matthews. Unfortunately, I don't think. Yeah. I have, I have uh, Mitch Marner in my two cold section. Like this guy's been flirting with a hundred points for two seasons now, three seasons, even like, I don't know. I, I, I had to put words together to say that, like, I think Mitch Marner's still a really good player. 
Uh, so I did like the, his on ice shooting percentage is like under 3% at the moment, probably went up after Austin Matthews scored a goal. Everything just points to like bad luck at this point. Mitch Marner did not forget how to play hockey. He's still probably going to flirt with a hundred points. Something is just in the water in Toronto. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's, maybe it's the goalies. Like they always had Freddie there and he was steady Freddie and, they were comfortable with that. Now they're trying to figure out how they're going to play in front of Campbell. Uh, eventually, whenever Mrazek comes back, if Mrazek comes back at this point, I feel like he's always hurt. You know, maybe they're just trying to figure out a, a system that works in front of their goalie. I, I Honestly, I can't tell you. I, I haven't read enough Toronto news to know what's going on there. All I know is that Mitch Marner is still a good hockey player. I think he's fine. I'm really not worried. I think he's fine. I don't think Matthews forgot how to score or anything like that. I think Tavares is still his boring but solid good self. Nylander, Nylander has been great other than tonight. Um, I can't remember if this was on 31 Thoughts or if it was on on the Merrick show, but they were talking about actually having to talk to Marner about shutting off his social media. Really? Yeah. Was he just in his head too much? They're just, I guess that's the angle. They're trying to look for some reason to blame it somewhere. Um, maybe he's distracted. Uh, I don't know. He He's awesome. Like, I love watching the guy play, but he, he just, like I, I heard Jeff Merrick say earlier today, like even the stuff that, you know, he normally does in his sleep. He's struggling with right now, and hmm. he's gripping his stick, as they say. But I think it, it does go to show, like they were, tr- they've been trying to blame everything, uh, all their defensive problems. They've been trying to pin on on Freddie Anderson for the last couple of years, and every slump or whatever, it's always like, oh well, we just we got to get rid of Anderson. We got to get rid of Anderson. It's like, why? It's he's not the problem. <laughs> you, you did saw what happened to him tonight. They did. Uh, yeah, um, the worst part about this, I think, is, like, I don't know if anybody's selling Mitch Marner low. You know, it's first, second, third round pick, depending on where and how deep your league is. But I don't think anybody's selling Mitch Marner low. If you can find somebody, I 100% do it. Like, you know, send a Lindholm for Marner offer if, if you've got tacos in your league. But I don't think anybody's parting with Marner. Not with what they, not, no, I just don't see it. And you know what? Since this is uh, on the topic of Toronto, I need to complain hugely about that game. Because although I did... uh, Hugely. Hugely. Every day I throw a bet at the wall where I bet on trying to parlay every single game of the night. And tonight I nailed every game. But for some reason on that ticket, I put the Leafs to win. They got to break out of it at some point, right? Yeah, they lost lost to Freddie. Freddie remains very hot. Uh, Carolina just... Kind of under the radar. I don't know if it's like expected, but Svechnikov is is lighting it up. Aho's doing spectacular. Uh, same can be said for Teravainen. No problems there. No problems. Carolina's great. Uh, okay, that's all I got in the way of storylines. Let's start off with some guys that are way too hot. Who do you got as your first too hot? Uh, well, we kind of touched on it. Uh, you could just say the Red Wings, but I do like... Raymond and Sider and Bertuzzi. I love those three, and I think they all are going to be doing well, but not this well. Can't remember what Bertuzzi's points per game are right now, but, man, he's uh, he's definitely not going to be, you know, I think in a points per game sense, he might even be approaching McDavid right now, but uh, he's he's too hot. 
I think McDavid's close to like two and a half points a game. Yeah, he's he's something else. He and oddly enough, he I consider that sustainable in his case. I don't consider <laughs> it sustainable in uh, in most of these Detroit guys' case. I think you know with McDavid, I don't think he gets enough airtime on any podcast whatsoever. Like we just need to take a second to appreciate the gravity that is Connor McDavid. It doesn't come up enough, you know, because. Okay, McDavid's doing really well, so we don't need to talk about it. But it's just, it's insane what he's putting together this year. Insane. What is, it's like 50 points in his last 20 games or some shit? Like, dude, it's otherworldly. It's something we, we just haven't seen. Like, I, I, I hope nobody's arguing about who the best player in the world is anymore. I mean, people, it's, it's kind of like Gretzky back in the day where... No one wants to like someone who's just that good. Like it's always like, well, but maybe Matthews is better, or maybe, you know, whoever. And then at some point, the guy's on a two hundred point pace. You just gotta kind of go, okay, the guy's the fucking best. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, you know, I, I'm right there with you about Lucas Raymond. Uh, I don't think he's a ninety six point player, but again, I think that's just a victim of small sample size. Seven points in six games will inflate your stats a little bit 25 percent shooting percentage what i do like are his shot rates um you know no hits so far but the time on ice is fine uh power play time on ice is something we can hang our hat on getting 54 percent of the time but the time on ice you know 15 minutes for a rookie you want to see more but also you got to think like what you were saying is some nights he's getting 17 some nights he's getting 12 or 13 so it's really in flux um Raymond for me in 12 team redrafts is is a stream in stream out kind of guy and I think um, you know until until he proves otherwise I think he is safe to stream out but staying staying with McDavid I had Jesse Pugliarvi who we all love there's there's no I don't know if there's anybody out there that's rooting against him but the on ice shooting percentage is insane it's like 25% that's what happens when you play with Connor McDavid it's just it's what's going to happen David's got 13 points in his last five games. And, you know, Puji, on the other hand, is reaping those benefits. So there's part of me that's like, okay, is playing with McDavid sustainable for, for Pujarvi? I think it is. What has what is, what is he got? Like a 130-point pace at this point? I don't think he's that guy. I don't think Pujarvi is, is even point per game. For him to come back to maybe 65, 70 in an optimistic sense... That's half of his scoring rate right now. That means he needs to slow down by like 200% to get somewhere that I feel is sustainable. So there's going to be insane regression. Jesse Pugliarvi, as much as it's going to pain me, is my number one candidate for sell high. Yeah. And if, if you compare it with like a buy low, Alex Debrinkit, what do you think? Like long term, who wins that? Because there is... There's risk baked into both sides. Like maybe Pugliarvi has this insane year and goes off. And the other side, the risk that's baked in there is maybe Chicago and Debrinkat have a very much a down year. And Debrinkat's shooting percentage has cratered in the past to the point where, like, you can, you know, maybe there's some flashbacks going on there. But I don't know. Like, uh, Debrinkat for Pugliarvi. If you can pull it off, are you taking Debrinkat there? Yes, absolutely. I I didn't do that exact trade, but I did throw out a few offers uh, with my Pugliarvi uh, today I have him in a couple of leagues and the plural. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think he's going to have a fantastic year. I think he's going to probably. I was still anticipating he's going to finish around seventy points. 
somewhere around there. But that being said, as you pointed out, right, that that does mean like to finish with a great year of 70, even 75 points, his rates need to come way down from where they are right now to end up. Yep. And I, I'm I'm down for that regression. I, yeah. I wouldn't be disappointed if I if I have to keep him, I'll keep him. But I think it, it is a perfect time to try to to sell him at his absolute peak. That is that's something that worried me is is the rate stats. They haven't really they haven't gone up at all. He like the the shots have not gone up in tandem with his time on ice. He's gotten almost two minutes extra time on ice and his shots on goal per game have gone up point one. That's eight shots over an eighty two game season, if anybody's counting. So like the shot rates have not gone anywhere, essentially, and the time on ice has gone way up. So I don't know if it's like, you know, why shoot when you have guys like that on your on your line that you can pass to but at the same time like you want to see the shot rates go up especially in a per game sense like per minute fine you know if they if they stay the same but even if they stay the same you're playing more minutes they should go up so if the rate stats stayed similar i'd feel a little bit better about it Uh, he's still hitting enough where he's beyond holdable but i don't know it's just it's hard to think that Puyarvi is going to hit point per game. I think the value is at its highest. I think expectations are at its highest. The hype is at its highest. I don't see a better time to trade Puyarvi. And that's me saying it right now, you know, October 25th, maybe next week. The expectations are higher. Value is higher. But you just, for me, it's a perfect time to sell high. I think you can you can go out, you can get Puyarvi for somebody. You can sell him. I, I, th- I like a Debrinkat as a target. Somebody that's that's down, that should come back to life, and is going to pay steady point-per-game dividends. Somebody I think you, you can come up on. Yeah, for sure. I think there seems to be the most hype around him, and a little bit for whatever reason, there's less hype at this point. Like The year started out, tons of hype around Hyman, who kind of, maybe you could say he stumbled out of the gates in the first few games, but he's got four goals in his last two games himself. And the weirdest thing about him is his on-ice shooting percentage is, is in the sustainable range. Mm-hmm. Like, I like where Hyman is at. Looking at his at his stats this at this point in the season, you look at it and there's no extreme red flags. There's nothing that's like, oh my God, like, you know, this is this is too much at this point. And, and Hyman just makes sense. Yeah, I like... I like both of those guys, I think both of them are right now, specifically right now, good sell highs. The other one who's on the Oilers, who we did bring up last game, uh, last episode, I should say, was Cassian. And in the next game, he got himself another goal and another seven hits. So The hits, I think, are sustainable. And going back to Hyman, I, I want to say about Hyman, before somebody chirps me on Twitter, I know his shooting percentage is 42%. Okay, so not everything is sustainable, but his on ice shooting percentage is in a comfy range. Yeah, he's he's gonna he's gonna come back down to earth on the shooting percentage. He's not gonna go goal per game over the course of the year, but you know Hyman is still somebody I have in the sixty five point range. I think I mean you look at all these guys we're mentioning. Obviously, McDavid. We didn't mention Drysidle, the second best player in the world. He's doing just fine too. But everything besides Barry is clicking in Edmonton. So. Yeah, I have Barry. I mean, if we want to go right there, he is way too cold for me. Way too cold. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know if you have him on your list, but for me, Petrie, he's been on the ice for eight goals. He's only gotten in on two of them. So right there, you have a 25% IPP. You know, I'd, I'd be waiting it out a little bit because even though Bouchard 
overshadowed him in regular time on ice in the last game. Barry still logged a minute 30 power play time on ice and Bouchard had 22 seconds. So I, you know, there's a lot of hype coming from other outlets and things like that about Bouchard at this point. But when it comes down to the power play, it's Barry. And I think, you know, given the state of Edmonton's defense, I'm not afraid of, you know, him getting sheltered on the third pairing and only a power play role. They don't have other options. They have Duncan Keith. They have Cody Cece. They have Slater Cuckoo. Um, (laughs) You know, they don't have defensemen outside of Darnell Nurse who can responsibly handle the puck. So, like, it, it comes back to, like, if you see if, – if we're hanging out in the woods and we see a bear, I don't need to be faster than the bear. I just need to be faster than you. And if I'm in the woods with five other defensemen who are just as bad as me, I don't need to be better at defense than the bear. I just need to be better than the other five schmucks that are in there. And Barry, you know – He's amongst friends when it comes to that defense group. Let's let's say it nicely like that. Those are those are colleagues, colleagues. <laughs> you know, peers. Yeah, it's definitely peers, with the exception of Nurse. So, like, if he is going to get unseated, it would be by Nurse, who in this same game where Bouchard had 22 seconds of power play time, Nurse had a minute 55 to Barry's minute 30. So. Again, it's Groundhog Day because last year we were talking about exactly the same thing. Nurse took over power play one and Barry at the end of the year led defensemen in points. So again, I'm not worried. I'm just simply not worried. I am buying low on the Tyson Barry train. 100%. Me too. Yeah. He's, you know, if he's going to quarterback the best power play in the NHL, sign me up with McDavid, who's going to score fucking 150 points this year. If he slows down, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so awesome. Jesus. All right. Who do you got? Uh, too hot. Keep on going. I had a pair of jets, actually a pair of Winnipeg jets. PLD is one of them goals in his last four straight six points over that span. His last three games in a row, he's taken one shot and it's gone in. So in his last three games, he does have a hundred percent shooting, which is a little high. Uh, you know you get some hits with him as well, which he's been doing, but he hasn't actually been hitting as much as he used to because he's just been scoring. So I don't think goal every game is to be expected for the rest of the year. But, you know, he, he was junk last year for, for all kinds of reasons, never got settled in. The team was wonky. His whole transition to the team was didn't happen properly, and it seems like he's figuring shit out. I'd expect a good solid you know, maybe 65-point pace from him for for the year now. Back to kind of what we what we expected, what we've always wanted. It just didn't see last year. I think last year was was just a terrible anomaly for him. It does seem like a bit of like a revenge tour a little bit. If it's possible to be a frustrated PLD owner, you found him. It's me. In my home league, we have three center spots, and I have McKinnon, Pedersen, Trocek. And every time PLD goes off, all three of those other centers are playing, and I don't have room for fucking PLD just because I'm scarred from last year. And I'm like, eh, he's not going to do it. You know, Pedersen's, he'll turn it on this game. And every time I'm leaving points on the bench for Pedersen's one shot, and it's, you know, it's tough. And PLD's got a couple of power play goals too, right? So, Yeah, I think he is on the top unit. I think they got rid of uh, Stasny up there. Uh, all right, I got Cam Atkinson. 
little hometown hate going on here. And it's not hate. It's just like, I want to throw cold water on this because, you know, that whole line is doing really well. Broussard, Farabee, Atkinson, they are shooting up a storm. You look at the, the on-ice shooting percentage. That's where I'm getting most of my unsustainability numbers right now. It's upwards of 18% higher than they're expected to be. Atkinson's personal shooting percentage is close to 30%. What is nice is Atkinson shooting three and a half times a game. You look back to his 40 goal season. Yeah, he was playing next to Artemi Panarin, but he was shooting 3.7 times a game. So if we're like setting the bar at, I think we set it at 33 a couple episodes ago, I think it's there if, you know, if the shot rate can can stay and you, you got Kevin Hayes coming in, somebody who's a better playmaker, I think, than Derek Broussard. Maybe there's chemistry there. Maybe there's chemistry lost, but, you know, you're not getting in a, you're not going to be in a worse position because you're playing with Kevin Hayes instead of Derek Broussard. What is weird is that uh, I think he lost two minutes of time on ice from Columbus, like coming in from Columbus. He's down two minutes and his shot rates have gone up. So that just tells you how insane he has been in the shot department. So there is a ton of unsustainability here with I think Atkinson's got four goals in, in six or seven games by now. But with Atkinson, I'm in a weird spot because I want to say sell high, but I just don't know what you can get selling high off somebody you picked off up off the waivers last week. Like, what can you realistically get for Atkinson at this point? Maybe you knock on like Jonathan Marchessault's door because he's been kind of butt cheeks to start the season. Like, I think I'd rather have Marchessault than Atkinson. Uh, maybe, you know, the dot, dot, dot part of Atkinson is something that I want to find out. But that's just a more reason to hold him. Because I think, uh, you know, he might wind up being a drop at some point this season. We saw JVR go absolutely bonkers last year and and then tapered off in the second half. So maybe that happens here with Atkinson. We don't know at this point. But I do know he's not going to be shooting 30%, um, you know, at the end of the year. You, you want to sell high, but I just don't know if you can get a return that's, like, feasible. So for that reason, I think I might just want to hold on to Cam Atkinson, see where this takes me. Yeah, I could feel that. Yeah. I could feel that for sure. It's a risky hold, but you might as well, because like you said, you probably didn't pay anything for him. Yeah, that's what I mean. I don't think there's too many people who are expecting him to be incredible, so I don't know if you'd get much for him. Same with uh, my next fellow here, back to the Jets, with Nate Schmidt. Mm. I was calling for him to have a good season in Winnipeg because he is a good defenseman. He got he got really no love down in Vegas, and then he came to Vancouver and was confused why he was here, kind of. And now in Winnipeg, he's he's sort of the, the veteran locker room dude. You know, he was pointless in his first couple of games, and now he's got six assists in the last three, half of them on the power play. So, good streak. But, you know, speaking of uh, streak-wise, I don't think two points a night is his going to be his average. I think he's a good guy to stream if you need a defenseman right now. Winnipeg's been scoring, you know, their last few games have been six goals, five goals, five goals, three goals. So they've been scoring a lot, and he's been getting a lot of power play time. Dude does not shoot. He's just an assist and block man. But All right, so for my last uh, two hot guy, it's Elias Lindholm. And this is hard because I love Lindholm, Elias. Yeah, he's shooting 36%. That's going to be a trend on Tuesday trends until we get deep into the season where there's like, you know, things level out six of his seven points are goals, but he's shooting pretty good. 
you know, he had a seven shot game, the game in which he had a hat trick. So I don't expect over a goal per game, but he's been a steal so far. I like him to get around 75 points. So he's not somebody I'm selling. He, he contributes in a bunch of categories. Uh, you probably could sell high, but I think the best you can do for an Elias Lindholm trade is a lateral trade. So I'm just holding Lindholm. That's it. That's all I want to do. I like. I don't see, you know, I don't think anybody's going to come up off a, a Lindholm trade. And if you can, go for it. Absolutely. I mean, anytime you can win a trade, go for it. I don't know. Like, I like him in bangers leagues, especially because he does contribute to hits and, and apparently shots. Like, he's shooting a lot and he's scoring goals. Deployment is as is as good as it's going to get. And Daryl Sutter seems to really like him as the number one C. So I like Elias Lindholm. I'm not getting rid of him. But I also don't think, again, I don't think he's scoring a goal per game or more. So things are going to level out, of course. But I think in the in the long term, I think he hits 75 points, maybe point per game. Don't think point per game. You know, 75 seems pretty good. Give or take a few on either side. I'm comfy with Lindholm. I just don't think, you know, 36% is a comfortable shooting percentage. It's kind of silly doing unsustainable this this soon into the season but uh i love it i love it everything's wrong at this point everything is wrong buffalo just floored tampa bay pittsburgh with nobody's flooring everybody (laughs) like yeah it's weird this is bizarre world my too cold that i have to i have to bring up you already brought up is my 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 man elias petterson (sighs) <sighs> Two cold. Yeah, me. I mean, three points on the season, one point in his last four games. But what's the most disconcerting for for me as a fan and uh, way too much of an owner? First couple of games, he had six shots a game, and since then he's been down to one and two shots. And his time on ice has gone down six minutes a game, like six minutes a game. I don't see them like benching Elias Pettersson or anything like that, but that's a lot of minutes. He's not feeling the flow, and yeah, when he's down from 23, 23 and a half, twenty-two, and now he's down under seventeen. He's in the sixteens, so he's just not putting out right now. And the thing that the thing that compounds it is since that's happened, the team has won every game. So with his, when he's playing less, the team is doing better right now, which is hopefully a coincidence, probably a coincidence. And for everything I live for, I have to believe it's a coincidence and he's going to be back to a 75, 80 point pace here. Here on out, I'm fucking hoping. How do you feel about Connor Garland? Oh, I feel all kinds of things. He's been a great pickup, but like as far as sustainability goes, what do you think? Uh, it's uh, totally unsustainable. I mean, I, I don't have his exact... A lot of secondary assists. 80% of his assists are secondary. I'm not too, too, too worried about that from watching him play. Like, when you watch him on the ice, it seems like he should be getting this many points. Like, he, he really is the most noticeable player when he's out there, and he's just flying. His beard adds 20 pounds of toughness as well. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I want to see him shoot more. Where are the where did those shots go? He's under two. Doesn't a game. really do that. It's weird. He doesn't really do that here. He should. He should. Yeah, but man, like what? Bring it back. That's why so I. He got seven it. points in five games so far. Uh, I eight points in six. Eight points in six. So there you go. I yeah, man. I was hoping he'd be sixty sixty five points, and I would have been a happy happy camper. 
I think that's definitely in the cards. I think 65 points is probably it. Vladimir Tarasenko has over five shots a game through five games. Do you see his goal tonight? Yeah. Two goals tonight. Did you see it, though? And uh, I didn't know. Oh, it's, you'll be seeing it. <laughs> It'll be on the highlights for a couple of days, that's for sure. What I don't like is his time on ice. Uh, he is like top five shots per 60, um, you know, 18 shots per 60, which is nuts. Over, like over five a game. Um, you know, I'd, I'd be trying to see if anybody's willing to sell Tarasenko, but after a two-goal game, you're probably going to pay up pretty good. Uh, I love shots, so I'm attracted to this. But I think there's enough in St. Louis where they don't want to give him primo time on ice because they're probably still trying to trade him. So I, I don't really know what's up there. You know, 15 minutes tonight, he still had two goals. 15-21. 15-40 the last game. 17-31 the game before that. But then, you know, you go a couple games back and he played 13 minutes. Yeah. And that's even more impressive. That's why his shots per 60 are so high because he's just not seeing a ton per game. And he's still got five, over five shots a game, which is nuts. I just wanted I just wanted to say that and, you know, appreciate Tarasenko a little bit because I've done my fair share of uh, trash talking. And I would be remiss if I didn't say that Rob Thomas was, was doing okay. <laughs> I'll give him an okay. It seems like Tarasenko is uh, playing as if he wants a trade to get done now. He wants somebody to want him. <laughs> yeah. Come on, New Jersey. Where are you? Uh, do you got anybody left? Too hot, too cold? Uh, we kind of trashed Montreal enough. That whole team can go in the cold bin with not much signs of turning around. It's still early. There's All these streaks are going to come and go. There's definitely some stuff that's going to change. I think there's, it happens every year, yeah. uh, and it's happening now. Now's about the time when things start to settle into to patterns. So I think, you know, these people with the crazy hot streaks, you'll see regress back down and some of these guys who are, you know, the kind of the boring thing, like the first few couple of weeks are so exciting because there's all this stuff that's just way out of whack and it's fun to talk about. But I think, you know, right around now we're going to start seeing like, you know, I wanted to talk about how cold Batherson was the, when I started my notes. Two goals. Two goals tonight, yeah. I think he got a third. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, I think he got a third. But yeah, I started writing notes. He hadn't scored for fuck all. And then by the time I got to his name on my notes, he had a fantastic night. And so now if you look at his year-long stats, they look fine all of a sudden. All of a sudden. Just like that. And that right there is exactly kind of case in point. Small sample sizes, just like that one game, can turn around your, your full season stats. So that's it for Tuesday Trends. Next week, we will have more trends to talk about. If you guys want to talk about somebody that's playing too well, buy low, sell high, you can hit us up in the Discord. Hit us up on Twitter, at FHFHockey. And until uh, next time, we'll catch you. Love you. Love you.